Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, joined by my best friend, Jake Colhagen. We are about to go over week three start sit decisions, and oh my goodness, we have a lot to talk about. But to be honest, I'm kind of sitting over here like, Mom, come pick me up. I'm not having fun anymore. All these injuries are making football so tough. Nick Chubb, Aaron Rodgers, these Monday night football games are cursed. So we're hoping that when we tell you to start a player, we are not banishing them to the shadow realm. Hopefully we can get some injury luck here this week. Jake, I know you're feeling a little down about Nick Chubb losing you your weekly matchup along with just the sadness of the injury. How are you doing, man? Right. Well, you so I have Aaron Rodgers as a starter in my super flex home league, right? So lose him. Then we got I had Nick Chubb as my RB one. Well, what I got Pollard too, but whatever, right? So I lose him. Um, I got Jamar Chase too in, in this lineup, and he's up. He's up on Monday night. So I'm just hoping that they move the game to Tuesday or bring it back on Sunday at this point. So not feeling great about these uh, Monday nights, Bob. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, it's it's exciting, man. I, I love that we're into the season. I can't believe it's week three already. So. I'm, I'm just ready to keep chopping it up and keep talking ball. And if you guys will keep listening to me, I'll keep talking. Love it. Bro, you talking about Tuesday night games just gave me like PTSD flashbacks to the COVID season. Remember that one like Wednesday noon Ravens Steelers game? That was just the weirdest thing ever. I do remember. Yeah, it started at like three or something. I was like, this is cool. I'm working and I'm watching football. I could get used to this. It's just so strange. Please, let's let's never do that again. All right. Let's jump right into the first game. What do you say? Let's do it. Awesome. So our first matchup of the day is Thursday night football. The New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to go ahead and take care of the visiting team. You'll go ahead and take care of the home team. And man, Kayvon Thibodeau, man, I, I've got him as a start here. I know he hasn't been the most exciting player so far this season, but I trust that talent will win out. And uh, the 49ers are actually one of the better matchups for fantasy points allowed to edge rushers. He's had some pretty bad luck when it comes to pressure to sack conversion rate, but he's playing a ton of snaps. I have confidence that that bad luck is going to turn around for the better. And so this could be the week that Kayvon Thibodeau finally gets some stats that match the underlying metrics that we're seeing already. I also want to give a shout out to their safety, Jason Pinnock or Pinnock. I forget how to say his last name. I, I try and pride myself on being an elite name pronunciator, uh, but then I learned what the Cardinals' backup safety was, and it was like Andre Sachere or something, and I was like, Sachere. 
So anyways, it's a bit of a mess. So I'll try my best. But he's playing 40% of his snaps in the sweet spot, 15% tackle efficiency. That's about as good as you can get from the safety position as far as a, a safety two, safety three type. And you probably don't need to start him in that position. He's probably more like a safety four or safety five for you. So he's definitely a, uh, a, a guy that I'm pretty uh, interested in this week as a start as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, some good options there. The one that interests me with Thibodeau, right, is like some of the lines were like six and a half sacks was like his over under. And the, and the slow start is like, man, is there something we don't know? But I agree with you. It's just something where we need to see some better conversion uh, there. And I think the regression delivers for us. Uh, on the other side, for me, I got Javon Hargrave. Um, really quiet start. I think he was a big name, big signing coming into this year to play alongside Nick Bosa. You know, Bosa's looked a little slow coming in, missing some of the offseason, preseason as well. So, um, But Hargrave, with his eight pressures so far, looks really good, and I think it's kind of the same thing. He'll start regressing to the mean with all the, the work that he's putting in. Um, I do like this matchup as well. Um, it's a very favorable matchup overall in the interior. Um, they're, they're actually pretty weak across the whole front there. Offensive line, one of the worst pressure rates allowed so far this year. But um, yeah, Hargrave, someone we should be firing up, I think, in any of those DL2 spots. Um, you know, if you get him as a DT1, absolutely. So uh, the other one I want to call out on the 49ers is, and here, right, talk about getting names right. So Diomodore Lenore. Uh, I think it's just Demador. Demador? All right. So uh, DL, as I like to call him, um, you know, back-to-back 10 tackle games. I made made the splash play with the INT. Um, I don't feel confident that this is a sustainable type of uh, performance for him. Uh, I do, however, think, you know, right now, the way he's being targeted and the way things are going, if you're in a cornerback required league, um, this matchup against the Giants, you could probably get away with it. Um, But, you know, they showed some life in the second half against the Cardinals, the Giants in their passing game. So I think you could still get a, a, a streaming option out of DL this week against them, uh, the G-Men. So I'm shocked that any team would show life against the Cardinals, to be honest with you, Jake. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I love these calls. <laughs> Say that again. Say that again. They do have to deal with the Barbarian there. So, I mean, that's, that's true. Dennis Gardeck, man. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the Tennessee Titans at the Cleveland Browns now without Nick Chubb. Sorry. Um, I'm really sad. Even as a Steelers fan that broke my heart, I'm not going to get into it. This is a defensive podcast, but just know my heart hurts so badly. Okay. The Tennessee Titans, um, a guy that I'm actually intrigued in starting this week is Danico Autry. He's kind of like an edge interior flex guy for them. Uh, but he actually has the highest win rate, out of all of the Tennessee defensive line edge rushers, I should say, technically Jeffrey Simmons, which I'll talk about in a sec, has a higher win rate. But it's a really, really good matchup against the Browns. I know their offensive line pressure rate is at number nine, but the points that they are letting up to defensive linemen for fantasy football is technically what I care about more, even though it's not as predictive. The fact is defensive linemen are are putting up fantasy points against this Browns team and Jeffrey Simmons is the other guy that I want to call out as a guy that can continue to be productive. He has been productive already, but I think that he's just going to continue to roll forward with that. If not, have a really, really big spike week for you. So Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons are two guys I am starting this week. I love I love my big beefy boys in the middle, so I, I love the Jeffrey Simmons call out. Um, on the Brown side, um, we got Agbo Akoronkwo. Sorry. 
getting that wrong. Another double O though. So mm. just making up those nicknames on the spot. Um, you know, 10% pressure rate so far, very solid, right? You, you look across, you know, just the average of the NFL, it's generally about 5% for most offensive linemen that pressure rate. So to see that up at 10% is really good. Very solid. Um, I do like this matchup uh, in terms of the Titans O-line just as a whole has struggled in pass protection up to this point. Um, you know, they don't have to worry too much about run blocking because Henry can just run over everyone else. Um, but as far as keeping Tannehill upright and clean, um, they're they're one of the worst at doing that so far. So I think that this is somewhere where you could look at streaming um, Ogbo, you know, as a, in that DL3 range, possibly, you know, if you really need to, in case of emergency, you know, slide him in as your DL2, I, I would be okay with that to a point. Um, but then... Behind that defensive line, you know, I'm really looking at this linebacker room for the Browns. I mean, this is how I felt in week one. I, I still feel this way now. This room is just too inconsistent, uh, ambiguous, uh, uncertain. I, I just, it looks like JOK will probably be the one who, in the end, leads this linebacker room in terms of production, but it's just so. <sighs> The floor is so low based on the snap counts. I think JOK got up to like 74% to lead the linebacker room this last week. I I just I just can't get behind it. I haven't seen enough in terms of playmaking to say like, you know, they can he can do it on limited efficiency. So I, I'm honestly I'm I'm really I'm gonna continue to stay away from this linebacker room if I can help it at all. If you gotta get someone in a lineup, um, or you got JOK and you know whatever injuries are already hurting your lineups. Totally get it. I can I can understand the play a bit, but I would I would be looking at some of these other people we're going to talk about here, maybe trying to find some waiver wire ads and you know get, get away from this linebacker room if at all possible. Yeah, that's going to be the theme of this episode. Is there are linebacker options available to you, likely on waivers currently if your league is not on top of things enough? And yeah, actually, interestingly enough, JOK didn't even lead the linebacker position in snaps. Last week, it was uh, Anthony Walker had more snaps than him, which is just an absolute mess. I was really hoping coming into the season it would be less of a mess, but it's not the case. I unfortunately am having to move on from JOK in some shallower leagues, and it's okay. I'll get over it because there are other guys available. So let's go ahead and move on to the Atlanta Falcons at the Detroit Lions. Now, a guy that I'm really excited about this week is Richie Grant. Straight up safety, Richie Grant. He's had... Great production already, but this is a really, really good matchup for safeties. The Lions are one of the best teams in points created for the position, and he has really good usage too, actually. He's been playing more in the sweet spot, especially in the box, than his running bait um, at the safety position. And so I really think that this is going to be a week where he exceeds that kind of baseline expectation for point production. So if you've got Richie Grant, you're probably starting him already unless you're in a really shallow league, in which case he's maybe a tiebreaker kind of guy. But I think managers should be pretty confident in his production this week. A guy that maybe they can't be as confident in would be defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. This is a tough matchup against a good offensive line and without likely without David Montgomery, they are probably not going to be running the ball up the gut as often. I think, you know, we can be expecting some Jameer Gibbs kind of dump off passes, stuff around the perimeter, but not a whole lot of like tackle for a loss opportunities for Grady Jarrett, along with probably not a lot of sack opportunities for Grady Jarrett. So it's tough because he, you know, if you've got him in a defensive tackle league, he could be your guy. You might not have a choice, but I would implore you to consider other options 
specifically this week? No, I, I like what you're saying there. Um, you know, and you know, running the ball consistently. Arthur Smith says, you know what? I see you and raise you a hundred, right? Because he is going to find a way to just ram that ball um, 35, 40 times down the other team's throat. Uh, and in doing that, we've seen some pretty favorable linebacker matchups um, against the Falcons. So for the Lions, I, I'm going to say this. I hope I don't get canceled from you know everyone here at the IDP show and, and supporting him. But uh, I, I'm firing up Alex Anzalone with a lot of confidence this week. Ooh, baby. Um, okay. Yeah, I know, right? Uh what is it? Uh, porn Thor, right? I mean, it's just, I, I, I get it. You, I, I want Jack Campbell season more than anyone else, probably. Maybe not as much as Eric Harms, but close to that then, right? So, um, and I think this is a week where we just get a lot of Alex Anzalone. Um, he's going to be making a lot of those five yards and a tackle for us, and it's, it's going to be a heavy stack counting week. Um, this is just kind of one of those gross matchups where it's, kind of the, the name of the game in IDP at times, right? Um, and, and this week, we just kind of have to live with it. Um, talking about injuries, though, early in the podcast or at the start, right? One that's a, a real gut punch, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, got the one-year deal, prove it, right? Was off to a hot start, playing just with a huge chip on his shoulder, it seemed like, and was just out there to make a name or prove himself even more than he already has. Um, unfortunately, heading to the IR. Now, the one nice thing is that they had Kirby Joseph, who kind of stepped up as a rookie last year. Um, they drafted Brian Branch and now possibly Tracy Walker back to relevance. Um, he is coming off an Achilles injury. Um, that is something kind of uh, significant in terms of getting back to full speed and full capability out there. But, you know, I think this is the situation where this week he's going to get the full complement of snaps. Um, you know, he's been, hasn't been limited in terms of practice reps or injury reports. He's just been outplayed by the talents in front of them and now now there's a clear path and so with that if you wanted to fire tracy walker up uh, as a safety four type play you know maybe even that safety three range he's been very relevant in the past for us i'm not saying he's going to come back to 100 of what he was uh but we could definitely do that here if needed uh i'd likely um advocate that we just keep an eye on him this week though is probably the best play yeah in the nine snaps he played in week two, he had three in the box, four at free safety, and two in the slot. So pretty solid usage for a safety. Obviously, the smallest sample size imaginable. And speaking of smallest sample size imaginable, Alex Anzalone had two pass rush snaps and earned two pressures. So basically, he's the best quarterback blitzer in the entire league, basically. Is that what we're? Is that how we uh, improperly use stats? Math checks out. <laughs> yeah, even at a, a 50%, you know, pressure to sack conversion rate because two pressures in a sack, like, man, it doesn't get any better than that. What is this, the new Devin White? All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next game here with the New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. Now, this is a tough one. I, I love Cameron Jordan on the Saints edge rusher. Dude's a dog. He's been a dog. He will continue to be a dog for as long as he wants to be. But this is not a good matchup. The Packers offensive line pressure rate ranks number three in the league, meaning it's a very, very tough matchup on top of the fact that it's a very, very slow pace of play. So there won't be that many opportunities for, you know, just scoring plays for Cam Jordan. On top of that, his pass rush win rate hasn't actually been great. It's been okay. Like it's been Cameron Jordan. I guess I could say like, 
the standard that Cameron Jordan has set for himself, he is not quite meeting that yet this season. Do I believe that that's going to stay that high or stay that low? Not necessarily. Like, I think it's very possible that as the season progresses, it gets higher. But just for right now, I'm not super, super confident in like, hey, this is the week I'm going to gamble on Cam Jordan having a bunch of tackles for losses and and getting a sack or two. Like, this is not a setup for a spike week situation. Like, if you need to rely on him and he's like your DL3 and you have to start five, I get it. It's a tough situation to be in. But if you're in a shallower league and you have other options, I might prefer some of those other options this week. But a guy who I absolutely do prefer is Pete Werner. He had a down week in some formats last week, but he has continued to have the best usage of his career so far with really, really high snap shares. And this is a great matchup for linebackers here playing against the Green Bay Packers. So who do you like on the Packers defense there, Jake? I'm really interested in in what they got going on at safety, right? So Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage um, coming into the season, some definite question marks, right? Were they were they even the guys for sure? You know, what would their utilization fully look like? Um, you know, and coming in here, uh, Ford so far has had the more desired alignment, uh, 51% in the sweet spot versus Savage's 32% in the sweet spot. But Savage so far has the better numbers to date, just basically has piled up a few more tackles so far. Um, you know, with that said, Savage looks like the slightly better NFL player when we look at our PFF grades and what he's doing on the field there. Um, but, you know, for what we're looking in terms of utilization, where he's aligning on the field and what that generally tends to le- give us in terms of IDP production, I'm going to lean you know forward a little bit over Savage on this one. Now you're talking again, probably two guys who are in that safety three to four range. Um, you know, not really anything uh, consistent or elite in terms of their playmaking abilities that they've shown us. But you know, at some point, these guys are probably going to sneak into someone's roster in, in those moderate to deeper leagues. Um, and Forge kind of the one I'm leaning, but Savage definitely has his value there still too. Um, Sticking with that secondary, uh, someone who I was very interested in this offseason, specifically because could he win the slot defender role? And then, you know, on top of that, would he maintain his kick return duties? Uh, That's Keyshawn Nixon. So he has played entirely in the sweet spot as the primary slot defender for the Packers. Um, But it has only seen about an eight and a half or 8.4% tackle efficiency. For our slot defenders, we like to see that a little bit closer to nine and a half, ten. Um, so you know, a little down in that regards. Um, the bigger thing is, is that you know they're not consistently running him out there um, every time as the as the slot defender. You know, close to that 90, 80 or eighty to ninety percent of the time. Um, so he's just missing out on you know volume plays there as well. Um, and he's only had two kick returns for a total of fifty five yards as well. So you got to have the kick return scoring, which I'll always advocate you should. Um, but with that said, you know, lower snap volume, even if he is getting the bulk of the primary uh, slot role and just a little bit underperformance, I would be holding off on Keyshawn Nixon in some of those, even in our cornerback required leagues, unless you're crazy deep there starting three, four corners. But um, yeah, he just he's not getting the full snap compliment that we'd like to see. And I don't know if it's a special teams coaching decision to limit his kick returns or the new rules or a combination, but um, until we see him kind of get turned loose there more too, I, I, I don't like the floor that he brings us each week. Yeah, man, it's tough. I feel like there's two kinds of nickel cornerbacks. There's nickel cornerbacks who play on the outside in two cornerback sets and play in the slot in more than two cornerback sets. 
And then there's nickel corners that only come in in three cornerback sets. And unfortunately for Keyshawn Nixon, it appears that he is a part of that latter group. Um, let's go ahead and move on here to the Denver Broncos, the 0-2 Denver Broncos. That's really tough situation at the Miami Dolphins, which is talk about a tough situation. This Miami Dolphins team is on fire. So uh, it's it's tough. This is tough for sure, for sure. Just looking at the points generated for the Dolphins offense, it's not a great matchup for basically anybody. Uh, but the position that I really want to call out as an avoid is defensive line, specifically edge Jonathan Cooper. I think he had a really big game last week and managers might have picked him up off the waiver wire and been like, oh, shoot, like I got a diamond in the rough. This is a guy I can rely on. Maybe. But this probably isn't the week to rely on him. Also, quick note, Baron Browning should return from IR in like week five. So it'll be interesting to see how his usage looks and how he impacts Jonathan Cooper. But in any case, here in week three against the Miami Dolphins, this is not a game that I want to start him. Those underlying metrics just are not the most promising. He's just had some good luck here and there. No hate to the guy, but it's not looking likely that he's going to continue at the rate that he kind of has set the precedent for. A guy that I would maybe be interested in starting, and this is like a really, really deep plays, is Kareem Jackson. I know that he got that really dirty hit on Logan Thomas and got ejected from the game, which is part of the reason why he didn't put up a lot of stats last week, but uh, the, the Broncos uh, playing against the Dolphins here, it's a really good matchup for defensive backs. And if you're looking for a DB4, DB5 option, who's probably coming in off waivers, Kareem Jackson could be a guy in a pinch if you're in like a super, super sharp league and waivers are just totally barren. Like Kareem Jackson's a guy that I might be relying on somewhere just because, you know, I'm in leagues with people like Jake or, you know, Jake specifically. And these guys, they get everything off waivers. So if I'm really, really desperate, Kareem Jackson might be a guy I rely on here. How do you feel about Kareem Jackson now too? Because week one, he was the guy who knocked out Jacoby Myers too um, of the Raiders with a concussion and a, and a hit that was, it was borderline, not as atrocious and like just bad as the one on Logan Thomas, but I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Texans fan, right? So we drafted Kareem Jackson and he spent like, nine years with us and I always like the the player and the guy but I don't know two weeks in a row it's got me scratching my head I'm sure he's not that kind of dude it's football it happens but also it does look pretty bad if you watch the slow-mo of Logan Thomas but who right. knows we'll, we'll see I I'm not here to make judgment calls this is a fantasy podcast I what kind of what are you doing setting me up for failure asking me this question Jay come on man <laughs> I, I'm not gonna come out here and call out Kareem Jackson ah, dude dude's just hurting people left or right but I mean, yeah, I just wanted to see if he was listening to the podcast. Yeah, um, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> you have been blocked by Kareem Jackson. Uh, so on the Dolphins side, um, Deshaun Elliott putting up some real nice numbers early on, especially from a deeper safety role. Um, you know, now taking on the Broncos and Russell Wilson, the man, you know, I feel like famously known for his moon ball shots, you know, deep downfield, taking plenty of shots down there that, you know, hey, this should this should line up then, right? Elliot's been productive already. Quarterback who's known for attacking downfield. Well, actually, when you look at the numbers this year in, in the new Peyton offense, at least so far in the through the first two weeks, um, they're in the bottom to mid-tier for any of those deeper to intermediate passing numbers so far, just in terms of those attempts. Um, 
I, I'm not really sure that I'm firing up Elliott with a high level of confidence, you know, in that DB2 range. Um, just consistent uh, production-wise so far, I'm comfortable more in that DB3 range. Um, but, you know, another thing is, is, is Jalen Phillips going to be in this game? What kind of pressure are they going to see up front? Uh, because this uh, this uh, Denver Broncos line looked rough against the Commanders. And, I mean, I get it. That Commanders line is full of talent, but... This uh this Dolphins line isn't uh, no slouch either. With Phillips is healthy, Bradley Chubb, Christian Wilkins, Zach Siler. I mean, there's there's plenty of damage to be done there too. So um, might just limit the overall uh, opportunities on the back end of this defense. But speaking of Jalen Phillips and that front, uh, a name I'm very interested in this week um, is Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, he has been a part of kind of the mystery of what's going on in terms of the utilization for the Miami Dolphins defense. So week one, he was the off-ball linebacker alongside Jerome Baker, and free agent acquisition David Long was, he was playing some special team snaps, he was helping out, playing you know a limited role, and then all of a sudden David Long was out there, fired up, making plays, getting a sack, he was you know full, full complement of snaps in week two. Well, AVG was on the edge because Jalen Phillips was sitting. So... I'm I'm actually very curious, and this is kind of maybe more in the game theory side of things. Uh, shout out to Big Game Theory Podcast, and really, you know, can you pick up AVG right now? And he's designated an end, maybe because that's how he came into the season. But he's getting off-ball linebacker type production, so maybe you like that nice, you know, uh, tackle floor that he could bring you from that role. Um, or maybe he's a linebacker in there, but he's got the ability to get onto the edge still and get rotation there and get some big sack numbers. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to try and pick him up in a lot of places just to hold and see what the, what his utilization looks like here um, as the season kind of plays out one or two more weeks. But just a, a name to me that just super curious because I have absolutely no clue what they're doing with that defense right now outside of their their you know primary key pieces. So. Yeah, hey, real ones picked him up in week one, Jake. I mean, come on, you got to keep up, buddy. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, shoot, I'm excited to see how he looks in week three. We'll see if it's a consistent trend one way or another. As for Deshaun Elliott, he's been productive. I Just keep an eye on Brandon Jones, you guys. As soon as he comes back, I'm expecting a snap dip to Deshaun Elliott. I just don't know when specifically Brandon Jones is going to really get that work. So just keep an eye on the practice reports. But let's go ahead and move on to the Los Angeles Chargers at the Minnesota Vikings. Now, I feel bad. I right when doing prep for the sheet for this episode, I there are so many guys that I want to tell you to start. Like I could tell you to start Micah Parsons. I could tell you to start TJ Watt. I don't really know where the line is between like obvious start and like borderline start. So, all right, give me some hate if you feel like me telling you to start Joey Bosa is a little too much, but I'm going to do it because he played a limited amount of snaps in week two and he's still crushed. I think he's only going to get healthier here in week three. It's against the Vikings offensive line. They are 27th in pressure rate. This seems like a great matchup for Joey Bosa to continue to be productive. So we'll see. I, I don't know what else to add. It's Joey Bosa. The dude's so good. If you have him on your roster, why are you not starting him? The only reason I say this is because somebody dropped him in a league that was like semi shallow, but like not shallow enough that Joey Bosa should have been dropped. So just, I got to put it out there just in case. I mean, he's, he's good. He's going to have a great week. Uh, Kenneth Murray, on the other hand, I don't 
know. Like he had a great week two. And if Kendricks is out, he should probably still have a great week three. Also shout out. I think Nick Neiman, I forget if it's Nick Neiman or Ben Neiman. One of the Neiman bros is the backup linebacker there. Ben Neiman, I think Ben Neiman, one of the Neiman's, uh, but also shoot, there's the rookie that they drafted this year too. So the number two spots, a total mess. The one spots also a total mess, but basically here's how it looks. We've got Eric Kendricks as the number one. Kenneth Murray is the number two. Probably the rookie they drafted this year, whose name is all of a sudden escaping me is either the two or the three. And then the Neiman bros, probably the three or the four, but just keep an eye on the injury status because Kendricks and the rookie have both been injured. So just don't expect Kenneth Murray to be a consistent producer. However, if Kendricks is out, then Kenneth Murray will probably still see a full-time role and might be worth a start. So that was a lot of mumbo jumbo, but you get what I mean. If Kendricks is out, Murray's in. If Kendricks is in, Murray's probably out. You're right. It's Nick Neiman. Ben Neiman's on the Denver Broncos. So wow, he ended up on the Broncos. Shoot. The yeah. Neiman bros get around. Right. <laughs> I love you, Evan. All right. Moving on to the Vikings. Uh, for, for all the height supremacists out there, um, we are, we are going to fire up Ivan pace, right? We don't care. Um, small boys matter too. And I mean, I was, I was a huge Ivan pace fan uh, from Cincinnati. Love the, Love the film coming in, so I'm 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 riding with Kyle Bellafield. I'm riding with John Macri, um, and I think that you know he's he's shown us exactly what he can be, right? Um, Brian Flores has that that man scheme where he loves to do that cover zero look or just you know just any type of you know blitz pressure from the middle up the a gap with his linebackers. And Pace was built for this, right? I mean, and he showed us that in Cincinnati, and he showed us already last week against the Eagles. Um, I, going forward, this guy is someone that I'm looking to have in that LB3, possibly even as high as LB2 um, in some of my lineups. Uh, I, I just, all aboard, choo-choo, baby. Um, then, you know, on the back end of that defense, we got Cam Bynum. He leads the team in tackles, not for much longer now that Ivan Pace is there, but, or at least Ivan Pace is there full-time. Uh, but Cam Bynum has quietly put together a really solid two weeks here. Um, and it's been a consistent tackling too. It's, you know, it's not that he's um, putting up poor performances and just falling into these, these plays down the field fully. Um, so I, I it just kind of reminds me of Minka's huge season, season a few years back when he piled up 130, 140 tackles, not calling out by him to, to hit that mark by any means, but he's just, he, I think he's found his role in this defense and he's been able to be successful with it. So I'm I'm comfortable with Cam Bynum, you know, in my DB three spot rest of season, unless he proves me otherwise. Remember Lewis scene. <laughs> Anyways, this is, this is just <laughs> this is a thing, man, right? Because like there all the stuff that's happening now with the injuries, you know, like you know Jerome Baker's the guy right now, but then they signed Kareem Hunt and all this stuff. It's like all it takes is one injury, right? And then this one person gets a shot, and it doesn't matter who you are or what you've been. If that person comes in and delivers, it's their job now. And and mm -hmm. it's just that's what it looks like going forward. And uh, sadly for Lewis Cena, I think that's what Cam Bynum has done last year and now into this year. Yeah, Jerome Ford. But but yes, you got the Jerome. Anyways, uh, let's go ahead. Oh, gosh. The New England Patriots at the New York Jets. Um, I get to talk about the Patriots. Actually, for once in my life, I might actually be excited talking about a Patriots defensive player, Josh Uche. I'm... Dude, this is this might be my hottest take of the week because he's like 
maybe third or fourth in the rotation as far as snaps go, but he has by far the highest pass rush win rate, uh, especially the, the true pass set, which I don't want to get too much into the detail. It's a PFF stat that basically only counts the stats that are reflective of the defensive lineman actually doing something predictive. So it, like it only counts snaps from like two to four seconds and it eliminates play action or bootlegs or whatever. Basically just like, if this is a football-like scenario, did this player win their rep? And Josh Uche has an incredibly high, it's like 50% true pass set win rate. So all that to say, guess who they're playing? The Jets and Zach Wilson with the 28th ranked offensive line. If there was a game where you would fire this guy up and hope for a sack or two, this would be the game. So I'm going to call my shot on Josh Uche and trust that he's going to deliver for me. A guy that I'm not going to call my shot on is Christian Gonzalez, who great talent, really, really good player. I think he crushed it last week. No hate to the guy, but he's an outside cornerback. That position just by nature is not a stable, productive position. And so if managers are expecting to just throw him directly into their cornerback spot and hope that he's going to put up a billion points every single week, I would just ask that you temper your expectations a little bit. He could certainly have a decent game. It's Zach Wilson. He could eat up like three picks. Who has any idea? But the point is, if you're relying on him as a weekly starter over somebody who has much better predictive statistics, I would prefer you probably start that other guy unless you're desperate for a long shot play. Yeah, and I think the the big thing that stands out to me is that you, we have clearly seen that Zach Wilson is not going to sustain drives um, to help increase just the sheer volume and opportunities for any IDP opposite of the Jets to really give us a sustainable floor in a, in a week-in, week-out type of scenario. They've struggled to hit 50 plays in their first two games, you know, on average. So, um, whereas, you know, a lot, it's a lot closer to that 60-65 range for just an average NFL game. Now, all of a sudden, you take out 10-15 opportunities. I, I just, I yeah, I'm 100% with you. I do not feel good about any of the secondary um, and on the on the Patriots side. So, um, on the Jets side, I do like Mr. JFM, John Franklin Myers. Uh, Really, really off to a hot start this year. 10 pressures on 52 pass rush snaps. Um, you know, he's recorded one sack. You know, really based on those numbers, like to see him, you know, closer to two sacks um, with those with uh, what he's been able to do in terms of creating pressure and getting into the backfield, um, just based on, you know, averages. And, you know, that said, this is a, this is a good matchup where I think he's going to have an opportunity to, um, to get in the backfield and make those plays. The Patriots have... A respectable offensive line so far this season. I just think that they're going to be in a, in a situation though where they're they're going to be running a lot more plays, and John Franklin Myers is going to get a lot more opportunities and and a little bit of regression to the mean here. Where you called your shot on Josh Uche, I'm going to call mine on Mr. Myers sack sack party sack bet. I don't know what we're doing here, but something like that. Um, on the back end, I got Jordan Whitehead. Loved his week three performance. You know, catching three picks um, last week playing a ton in the box against the Cowboys, um, you know, racking up a bunch of tackles, nine tackles in that game. Where is his utilize, utilization going to land here against the, the Patriots? It's a little bit to be seen, but I think at this point, you know, you can confidently fire him up as your safety three DB three, um, you know, possibly even a fringe DB two, just, 
they've shown that they're going to find ways to get him involved in that defense, whether again, up front in the box, making plays there, um, or, you know, playing on the back end of that defense, depending on who their matchup is each week. Would you be surprised if at the end of the season, Jordan Whitehead is a top six safety? Maybe a little bit. Where would you put the line? Top, like the over under of like surprise, top 10, not surprised. Top 12 would be top 10, top 12 would probably be where I'd end up. Yeah, I feel like it's just such a good representation of the fact that DB is such a volatile position because nobody was drafting yeah. Jordan Whitehead anywhere near that. But here we are. That's just that's what happens at the position. So okay. let's let's go ahead and move on to our next game here. The Buffalo Bills at the Washington Commanders. Now, the guy that I really want to call out here as a start is Greg Rousseau. This is a really, really good matchup against this commander's 29th ranked offensive line. And he leads the edges in pressures and win rate on the Buffalo Bills. He just needed a good matchup. This is the good matchup. I know he's been a little disappointing so far this season, but if there was a game where you're going to going to throw him into your starting lineup, this would be the game. So, you know, if if you started him in week one, you started him in week two, keep starting him because this is the time where that's going to pay off. Um, the next guy is, is like a sort of start. It's, it's Tyrell Dodson. And the reason that I bring him up is simply because Tyrell Bernard showed up on the injury report. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. If Tyrell Bernard is healthy, do not touch Tyrell Dodson. Keep Tyrell Bernard in your starting lineup. If you've got him already. However, if Tyrell Bernard misses, you could legitimately pick up Tyrell Dodson off of waivers, throw him into your starting lineup, and not bat an eye. So just putting that out there, I, we're, we're talking about linebackers that you can pick up and start. I'm sure we'll have another one when we get to the Panthers, but it's very, very important that you understand how replaceable this position is. So if we have an opportunity to pick up a guy and start him, do it. And this could be one of those opportunities. Nice. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting too, right? Because... Terrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard, Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard was such a big conversation in the offseason, too. And now here we are. They just become interchangeable depending on who's available. Um, but I got a mixed up know, on my podcast last year and it absolutely burned me. It was so bad. <laughs> well, speaking of, you know, guys coming in and out of the lineup here, Chase Young, hopefully back into the lineup on a more permanent basis here. Uh, had a great week last week and now comes into an interesting matchup here. Uh, historically, the Bills have really been a team that has allowed plenty of pressures, um, but really with Josh Allen back there, have found a way to not necessarily allow that to be converted into high sack numbers. Um, with that said, uh, I think that Chase Young and that line have really started to put something special together. I'm willing to take a chance on Chase Young moving forward here. Um, the guy has shown huge playmaking ability, you know, in his rookie year when he was healthy, um, you know, coming through uh, some tough years here now and coming back, making a big performance last week. I, I believe this is the trajectory that we can hope to see from a healthy Chase Young. And I'm, I'm really liking him uh, this week against the Buffalo Bills. Um, someone I'm not as excited about is, uh, is Derek Forrest. Only seven tackles through this, this season so far, this young season. Um, on 128 snaps, um, just really disappointing to see what he is started to get some more of that rotation down into the box and slot that we hoped he might get um, when Bobby McCain moved on, who was kind of living in that role full time and even taking up some of the snaps on the back end at times, um, but just really hasn't done much with the opportunity. So 
I'm still in on him. I'm probably a little hesitant to put him in in anything more than a DB4 at this point. Like to see him make some more plays, do something more with that utilization that we, that we've seen him get so far in the first two weeks. Um, but if there's a team that's going to attack downfield and a quarterback who's willing to take those chances, this might be the week for it. And Josh Allen, call me maybe a little bit scared, but I think I'm I'm, I'm holding off this week to see what Forrest does for me moving forward. It's channeling your inner Carly Ray Jepsen with your call me maybe there a little bit. There's a deep cut for you. Yeah, just scour your waivers. Make sure Derek Forrest didn't get dropped anywhere. He's a guy worth rostering in moderately deep leagues. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give a little, I'm gonna give a little snippet, I guess. Just pretend I'm copy pasting the IDP Game Theory podcast into our weekly preview because what I'm going to say here is basically word for word what I said earlier this week on the podcast, which is uh, Henry To'o To'o outsnapped Christian Harris for the first time in week two, which is really, really important. Uh, To'o To'o played 80% of snaps. He earned a 15% tackle efficiency, and Harris only played 39% of snaps. He only made a single tackle. So this is now two weeks in a row where Harris's snap shares have dropped lower than what we expected. And it's getting to the point where he's almost drop-worthy in shallower leagues and also to the point where To'o To'o can actually be started in moderately deep leagues. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here. It's really a, a sit Christian Harris, a start Henry To'o To'o, but like within the context of your league. I'm excited It's not the right word. Anticipatory of what we can see from To'o To'o. Maybe this is just an excuse to say his last name as many times as possible, but... I, I really do believe that To'o To'o can be a productive player, even if his PFF grades aren't really there. It's it's going to score points. That's just what happens with this defense. So if he's available on your waivers, I I mean, he probably got picked up or drafted if you're in a dynasty league, but just check to make sure that he's not there. I was getting ready to make that a drinking game. Like I was excited. I thought this was like every time To'o 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 To'o. <laughs> But you you kind of you lost me there at the end. You just started using pronouns and weird things like that. So <laughs> I'll I'll deal with it. Uh, <laughs> for the Jaguars, uh, Devin Lloyd, a nice uh, statistical bounce back. Uh, nine tackles and two pass breakups. Um, PFF performance looked a little rough. Orange and yellow across the board is never a great thing uh, for a given week. Um, but I believe the Texans should provide a nice solve here um, and an opportunity. Uh, to do to get right um, facing off against an offensive line that's potentially still only putting out uh, one of its starters from from you know week one snap one so uh, a really really favorable matchup for this defense overall should see a nice boost from everybody but I think Devin Lloyd could use it um, especially like I said just from that how does he look on an NFL field type perspective just because we all saw what happened late last season when Chad Mumo, still waiting in the wings, uh, came in and uh, started to siphon off some of those snaps. So um, hopefully Lloyd delivers across the board as an NFL linebacker as well this week. Um, Trayvon Walker, uh, a little bit concerning this last week that he only, um, or did he didn't even reg- register one pressure, excuse me, against the Chiefs. They're a line that's pretty notorious for allowing pressure to get back there. Uh, Mahomes is just an ultimate manipulator of the pocket, so it doesn't always re- uh, register into uh, convert into sacks for us. But just that that was a little telling to me that you know maybe maybe Walker isn't taking the year two leap I had hoped he was uh, on pace for after week one. So 
Um, again, hopefully the Texans' uh, poor offensive line play um, allows Walker to recognize some of that growth that we're hoping to see. If not, maybe cover it up and just get the production he needs for us for IDP here in week three. Um, but, you know, if you got to fire him up as a DL2, probably okay just with this favorable matchup. I mean, Texans have allowed the most sacks and the most quarterback hits through, throughout this year. And I think what he's had like almost 100 dropbacks already too, 100 plus dropbacks uh, for CJ Stroud. So going to be plenty of opportunities and I don't see this being any different than the first two weeks. So I will say Trayvon Walker is actually leading the defensive line in pass rush win rate at 11.3%, which is by no means some elite metric. It's just he's got the most. And in in true pass sets, it's still pretty promising. It's it's at 15.2%, which is pretty up there as well. So nothing super crazy. It's a small sample size. But just if you're looking for something to be optimistic for, there you go. You got it. Let's go ahead and move on to the Indianapolis Colts at the Baltimore Ravens. As for the Colts, it's once again a mention of the podcast because I talked about this earlier this week with Shaquille Leonard. His snap share has gone down. I don't know if this is going to be a consistent thing. I, I'm so sorry, patting the jersey to the next uh, next to you, but uh, we'll have to see how his usage looks in week three, but I am not confident in starting him this week. It's tough, though, because the Ravens are a pretty solid matchup for linebackers, so like EJ Speed could be a play, maybe. Like I'm not pinning my name on him. It's just EJ Speed snaps have increased while Shaquille Leonard snaps have decreased. But I don't know if that's a consistent trend. So we'll have to wait and see. The only guy that I really like is obviously Zaire Franklin, but you're starting Zaire Franklin. Franklin, I don't need to tell you that. A guy that I am kind of interested in as a proxy is uh, Julian Blackman, their safety, because he plays such a high percentage of his snaps in the sweet spot. That's basically like him being a linebacker. So because the Ravens are a good matchup for linebackers, I'm going to say they're also a good matchup for box safeties, such as Julian Blackman, who is, by the way, a guy I planted my flag on at the season. So I will take any opportunity. I can get to toot that horn. Toot, toot. Uh, no, I, I love it. So uh, on the other side for the Ravens, uh, Odafe Owe really had a great week one. Got us all excited. Hey, this guy kind of disappeared last season. Where was the where was the growth? Where was the, the pr- uh, production uh, uptick? Um, but yeah, f- week one, I think eight pressures just astounding right and then week two off to a great start and 15 snaps i think he had another pressure um it was eight pass rushes he was able to put up another pressure unfortunately then he suffered a pretty bad ankle injury that took him out of that game and he's already a do not practice here on wednesday or did not practice so i think at this point we're probably going to want to try to find another option for him this week but you know if it's if it's a relatively minor ankle sprain it's only going to take him out maybe a week or two maybe three I think always someone, if we have the ability to IR him or wherever you can put him in in a roster spot, you want to find a way to hold him. I I like what we saw from him, and I like where he was going this year. Um, So keep keep him in your rosters for now, but get ready to you know uh, make a pivot for for this week with him. Um, uh, As his uh, running mate on the opposite side, there. Wow, couldn't spit that out. Uh, Jadavion Clowney. Keeping us all fooled a little bit here, wearing number 24, just like Sky Moore, thinking he's a running back or or a cornerback. But nope, he's out there on the edge and he's delivering, you know, maybe not as uh, astounding as we saw from Oway here early on. But he's in the first two games, he's had a total of seven pressures and a sack. Um, and in a matchup where a quarterback who has a long time to throw 
generally because that they're trying to extend plays with their legs um, or, you know, they're younger and they just aren't processing the, the NFL speed as much. Um, I really, really like this matchup for Clowney. The question is, are we getting that young quarterback who likes to extend plays in Anthony Richardson, who's in concussion protocol, or are we going to get Gardner Minshew? Um, there's about uh, a half second difference in terms of their time to throw. So again, I know that seems very, very minor in the the grand scheme of a human mind, but in the NFL, that is that is an eternity. So um, it'll be you know we'll kind of maybe want to see who's starting that quarterback to help kind of gauge us our clowny success meter just a little bit more this week. Um, and lastly, just want to call out Kyle Hamilton. Um, a little bit of slow start for IDP production, but we love this the the sweet spot utilization up at forty seven percent. I think this is just something that'll swing back in terms of the positive regression for us he's he's a playmaker he's shown it in his rookie year um he's got ideal alignment and i think he's just he's up playing on a talented defense where and he'll find his spot in there soon enough yeah man lots of people asking about kyle hamilton that's why you don't pay up for defensive backs but have some patience with him i will also say odafe Oye was by far the most productive defensive lineman the ravens had as far as pass rush win rate goes do not look at uh, always injury as an opportunity for David Ojabo. He's already been getting a ton of snaps and has an abysmal win rate. So have some patience on him as in like, don't start him and wait for a miracle to happen as far as him actually getting better there. Let's go ahead and move on to the Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks. Now I'm going to start with the bad news. The bad news is you have to sit Jeremy Chin. I just, uh, what is going on? His snaps are just shooting down. Is he hurt? What's up? Like, I don't know. Actually, I probably should have looked this up a little bit more, to be honest. But uh, I don't think he's hurt right now. I just think he's not getting a lot of snaps. So don't start him. That's a really simple one. What I will say is, it might be too late for you already. But if it's not, listen up very carefully. Guess who's back? It's my favorite Hawaiian. Kamu Gruger Hill. The linebacker. That is now filling in for uh, Shaq Thompson. That's his name, right? Yep, Shaq yep. Thompson. Kamu Grisher Hill is going to be a starter for the rest of the season. And oh my gosh, he's going to score you points. So this is a great guy I was mentioning earlier. I was kind of teasing it when I was talking about Terrell Bernard or Tyrell Dodson, when I was talking about JOK. Here you go. It's like a linebacker handcuff, same as a running back handcuff. Like You pick him up off waivers, and you can start him every single week for the remainder of the season. If he did not get picked up in your league yet, pick him up. You can start him. That's all I got to say. It's that easy. Well, you keep it so easy here, and I appreciate that. Um, on the Seahawks side, Uchenna Nuosu, uh, really great utilization in terms of the the snap counts and, and what he's getting out there uh, in terms of his playing time. You Really kind of almost at that elite level in terms of um, that, that production, or excuse me, in terms of that utilization. That's something we didn't necessarily see from him every year before this. Uh, the pressure rate, though, so far is is a little low for him. Um, and that's the kind of thing that's a little concerning for me. However, I think that this is more of an anomaly. And coming this week against the Carolina Panthers, this is something where I, I love the matchup. The, the tackles for the Panthers have not been good so far this year. Um, they've been allowing plenty of pressures and opportunities. And Nuosu, I think, is just going to be able to get right you know, this week. And I think that's a, it's a great game for him. Uh, I, I love him for a sack this week. And 
on top of that, I just think that he's going to be able to make some other plays too in the running game as well for the Seahawks. Someone who probably won't be making too many plays, uh, Reek Wollen, uh, formerly known of the Tariq Wollen uh, brand. Uh, I think whatever reason that was changed this offseason for something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's been targeted three times so far this year. That, that's it. That's, that's an average of one and a half a game. So just doing the math for you. <laughs> but um, I, And he's got a total of three tackles. Now, obviously, there's different situations where he can make plays and the team might be able to find ways to get him involved. But that doesn't seem to be the case here early in the season. They're just letting him lock down his half of the field, his, his guy who's lining up across from his zones. And I got a funny feeling that's probably how they're going to keep utilizing him. So even in those cornerback required leagues, I know it's a it's a big fun name. He had a lot of picks last year, but I'm I'm moving away from Tariq Wollen um, and looking for some other opportunities to to put out there in my cornerback spots. Teams have just learned not to challenge him. It happened last year. It's happening this year. It's tough again. It's why you don't spend up on defensive backs, especially corners like this. Um, but people did it anyway. Also, the name change screwed with the best ball ADP sheet so much <laughs> because. The the ex lookup couldn't find his name because it changed from Tariq to Re. Anyways, I had to keep changing his name back. It was really annoying. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the Chicago Bears at the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh my goodness! It is a twelve and a half point spread, the biggest we have seen so far, and we've got two of them this week because we're going to talk about another one in our next game, but. I get the wonderful pleasure of talking about the Bears side of the ball. And I'm going to tell you to sit Yannick Ngakwe two weeks in a row. <laughs> so I I told you guys not to start Yannick Ngakwe last week. And then I started Yannick Ngakwe out of desperation in one of my leagues. I regretted it, obviously. <laughs> so I should probably follow my own advice. And the reason why is because the Bears defensive line absolutely sucks. It's so bad. I'm so sorry. I hope none of the players are listening to the episode. I don't hate you guys. It's not your fault. Blame your front office for not giving you more help, but whatever. You are going to need a miracle for him to score you enough points to make it worth the risk of starting him. I will tell you now, <laughs> playing the Chiefs is not the miracle you're looking for. So just find somebody else, please. Um, like... Uh, like the Patriots guy was talking about earlier. Uh, a guy that could be interesting is a really, really deep start. Like I'm talking so deep that I didn't even know who he was or what his name was until like 30 minutes ago. Okay, an hour ago. Um, their slot cornerback, Greg Stroman Jr. for the Bears. He's replacing uh, Kyler Gordon just for fun. Like if you want to start him for the memes. He has really, really good usage, and this is a great matchup for corners and safeties. Or you could just play it safe and start Elijah Hicks if Eddie Jackson is out. But either way, like if you want to stunt on your league mates and like pick a dude up off waivers, he scores like a bunch of points. That could be a guy to do it with. So there's your advice for the Bears. I just I'm feeling so old. You're you're stunting on people with all your memes, and I don't know, man. I mean, I think I'm technically a millennial, but I'm I'm probably getting close to that boomer 
type of approach to things here. <laughs> I got to think about the average age of our listening audience too. It's not like I got a bunch of 15 year olds tuning into this thing. Like I should probably mature my language a little bit, but it's fine. You guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to keep you old, Evan. Then you can keep me young at heart. We'll, we'll make a nice team at some point here. Uh, now on the flip side with the Chiefs, you know, you're saying don't start any or uh, from the Bears, you're saying don't start any of their DL. I'd would maybe start the entirety of the Chiefs defensive line against the Bears. I mean, good gravy. He is, Fields is not processing things. I don't know if it's the offense, if it's regression. I I, I can't tell you, but I mean, the, the one play that stands out in my mind against the Buccaneers, you know, he like, he looked downfield on his first read. He like checked down to the right and then he like hesitated and then looked downfield again. And then he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run into these three defenders right in the middle of the, of the pocket here. Like I'm just, he, he's, he's struggling. Right. And so fire up all those defensive linemen. Right. I mean, you obviously Karloftis, Chris Jones showed he's back already. Um, even if he takes limited snaps, still getting up to game speed, um, you're, you're firing up Chris Jones, you know, heck Mike Dana too is someone that's, Probably not ideal, but in this matchup, I think you can comfortably start him as a DL3, DL4. Um, and yeah, that's that's about all I got to say about that terrible Bears organization. <laughs> um, uh, also, I'll add Nick Bolton. Um, he's actually someone who I'm, uh, he's a bit of a fade this week for me. And a lot of it has to do just with the poor matchup here. I, I don't expect the Bears offense to give Nick Bolton a lot of opportunities. Um, and then if we've just paid attention to his snap counts the last two weeks, you know, the 94% in week one wasn't a huge scare, but it was just kind of like, okay, what's going on here? Um, because, you know, he wasn't coming off the field at all last year, really in any situation. And then last week he was down at, I believe it's somewhere in the 75% range, but anything sub 90, let alone sub 80 is, is a bit concerning, especially when we look at the historic usage of linebackers for Steve Spagnola before last season. Um, he's loved to platoon his linebackers and run them out situationally or based on, I don't know if we want to call it hot hand or whatever he was doing. And this just has me concerned that we might be moving towards that. So if you, you, you probably paid up for Nick Bolton um, in some situation, probably not likely having a great option ahead of him. Um, but maybe just in your roster construction, right? Like I, I really got to swing for some upside somewhere else because I, I'm expecting a little bit of a dip in production for Nick Bolton this week. Unless you're in one of those weirdos that just like plays with one IDP flex as your only IDP spot, but it's fine. I'll have some grace for you. A quick fun fact about Chris Jones in his one week so far, he has a 72.7% true pass set pass rush win rate which is utterly absurd. That means if you're lining up against Chris Jones in a true pass set out of about four snaps, you're only able to sort of slow him down on one of them, which is insane. So I just wanted to call that out here for a sec because, oh my gosh. Yeah, Chris Jones is so back. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our other 12 and a half point spread game, the Dallas Cowboys at the Arizona Cardinals possibly pulling off one of the most successful tanks we have ever seen. The Cowboys um, start Donovan Wilson. Remember Donovan Wilson? Yeah, he's back. He should be healthy and ready to play. This is a really great matchup for his safeties. I know they have Malik Hooker. They have J. Ron Curse. Those are great plays too. Just keep in mind, Donovan Wilson was very productive when he was healthy last year, but all three players kind of rotated 
and played like 80-ish percent of snaps altogether. So Donovan Wilson's return might be a little bit of a downgrade for Curse and Hooker, but like it's a great matchup. So you can keep playing those two if you want. But if you've been waiting on Donovan Wilson and keeping him on your bench, or if he's better yet available on waivers, you can pick him up and start him this week. Should be really, really great usage and pretty good productivity. Um, another guy I would like to start because yeah, I'm starting dudes against the Cardinals defense. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence. He's been getting the pressures. He's been getting the wins. He just hasn't been getting home. And uh, it's the Cardinals. Did I mention that yet? <laughs> um, if you're looking for a sack, it's the Cardinals. So Demarcus Lawrence, obviously playing across Micah Parsons is going to help him a lot. I can't tell you to start Micah Parsons. You're going to do it anyways. But Demarcus Lawrence is the next guy up there. So if somebody's going to get a sack and it's going to be somebody other than Micah Parsons, my money's on Demarcus Lawrence. It'll be fun to watch the rookie Paris Johnson. He's kept Josh Dobbs clean uh, to this point, to the first two weeks. Um, so a huge task in terms of facing off against Parsons and Lawrence. So should be fun. Maybe maybe a blossoming young tackle there, but you got some some studs who are going to make him earn it this week if he's able to. So um, for the Cardinals, uh, Buda Baker to IR, right? Again, just gross injury stuff, taking, taking some big names away from us. But that does, unfortunately, you know, shut that door, but there's a window open somewhere. And coming through that window is Kayvon Wallace, full speed, man. Um, just just a true box safety. Um, he is getting utilized heavily in that role. Um, and just based on the probably the pure volume and, and the, the snap alignment, I, I'm comfortable firing this guy up as high as a DB2 here, I think, um, just just for the, uh, the rest of the season moving forward, at least. Um, I... It's it's one of those gross plays where it's volume and alignment, and it's just going to equal production for us in the end. Um, someone who I sadly am not as excited about, especially with his position change, um, Zayvon Collins. You know, R.I.P. Zayvon Collins. Hopefully, hopefully this is you know just too early in the season for me to put it put it you know down. But I think at this point. Um, I'm moving on. I know he had the turnovers in week one. He had the pick, right? He dropped into coverage three times and nabs an interception, um, fell on a fumble recovery. Uh, last week he had two pressures and got a sack, but I mean, it's, it was, it was a, a lot of volume and I just, I don't know. He, it doesn't look promising to me moving forward. Um, he's someone that I, I'm, I, I'm close to saying, you know, he's, he's droppable for me and, you know, if you want to, you want to hold out another week or two, I, I can, I can appreciate that and respect that because he still is first round talent. But I don't know. And also, I think Jonathan Gallon is my spirit animal. Pew 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 pew. pew 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 pew. You guys have a sort of similar lookalike situation going on. Not super similar, but it's like you guys could be related. How about that? That, that Jonathan Gannon's a lucky guy. Yeah, I will say Zaven Collins zero percent pass rush win rate. In true pass sets, a 2.9% pass rush those, win rate. Those are bad numbers just for the you know statistical analysis if you guys were looking for it. Yeah, 0% <laughs> is not a good number. Um, filling in for Buda Baker in a part-time role, Andre Sachere, spelled C-H-A-C-H-E-R-E. So I had to Google it. Turns out his wife made like a TikTok. TikTok is a social media where they post videos. <laughs> Thanks. His wife made a TikTok like two years ago when he was with the Eagles about like how to pronounce her last name, Andre Sachere. So anyways, don't 
start him probably, but Kayvon Wallace, yeah, he's he's legit. Let's go ahead and move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Is this going to be a competition to see who has like the most incompetent offense? Uh, because Matt Canada is he is blowing people out of the park in that department. I'm a Steelers fan. Sorry, you guys. I had to let that off my chest. Um, sort of kind of sit Quan Alexander. I like. I don't really know. It's just tricky. They run three linebackers. They don't have great usage for any of the guys. They kind of rotate based on situation, based on package. And Quan Alexander had a decent game in week two. Don't expect that to be consistent. Just because he got a lot of tackles doesn't mean he's a good player or it doesn't mean that he got a lot of snaps. He got more snaps in week two than he did in week one, but that was likely just a game script thing. So just keep that in mind. If you're in like the deepest of leagues, maybe. But I don't think you're in any leagues where you really want to start him. You should have better options like a Kamu Gruger Hill, for example. A sort of start. This is the most wishy-washy start set I've ever done. But like a sort of start maybe is a DeMonte KZ. And that's only if Minka Fitzpatrick misses. I think the reason why Minka scores so many fantasy points is because he's so freaking good. Like one of the best safeties in the league behind only Derwin James good. DeMonte KZ is not Minka Fitzpatrick. So I'm not out here like telling you to start him anywhere. But just keep in mind Minka's probably hurt. That should increase KZ's snap share should probably increase Keanu Neal's snap share too. Keanu Neal technically has better usage, but like has played fewer snaps than KZ up to this point. So I'm not as confident in his like being a full-time player kind of thing. So just this is this is so wishy-washy, but like keep it on KZ. That's all I'm really saying here. He's probably going to be Minka's fill-in. So if you see a big game from him, that's probably why. Yes, then on to the other struggling side of the ball. Um, not not a whole lot to talk to. I mean, obviously, Max is amazing, and we love him. And, you know, across from him, we have someone who has lots of talent and, and, and promise in Tyree Wilson. However, he looks like a, a rookie who has a, a lot to learn yet, uh, very raw. And I think that's... Uh, yeah, I hope you've left him on your taxi squad up to this point so you can keep him on your taxi squad for the rest of the season moving forward. Um, I don't think anyone came into the season expecting Tyree Wilson to um, have to take on a large role or to be delivering right away. Obviously, when you're a top 10 pick, I mean, there's some expectations, right, that you can come in and, and do some things week one. But, uh, I mean, just just he was a raw prospect at points, right? And I think a lot of people saw that. And, and it's showing now in the field with Chandler Jones' whole situation. Again, still not certain what all of it is. I don't, not a lot's come out that I've been able to find. So, um, yeah, if you if you got Tyree Wilson on your roster, I mean, I'm holding him for a dynasty purpose, but I don't think we're going to realize too much value for him for the 2023 season, the way things are looking here early on. Someone who has been delivering some great value for us, though, Nate Hobbs. 18 tackles already through the first two weeks for a cornerback. Um, he's been talked about. We likely knew this already, but you know, I just I wanted to call it out because this is someone who can be in that DB two, DB three consideration. You know, not not cornerback required, but you know, you're you're playing on sleeper and you got these combined levels of the defense and you just got straight DBs. I mean, Nate Hobbs should be in there at this point, um, just based on again 
alignment usage and the fact that he's done this historically for an entire season already. So, um, yeah, just wanted to call out a good one here, making sure we're firing him up appropriately. Yeah, as bad as Zayvon Collins has been, Tyree Wilson has been worse. <laughs> uh, let's go ahead and move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Get body. Tampa Bay. <laughs> Boom! Uh, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I'm just imagining somebody in the YouTube just press the timestamp to get to this. And it's like, what, what the heck did I just get myself into? Uh, by the way, podcast listeners, if you'd prefer to stare at our beautiful faces, follow us on YouTube at the IDP show. So there you go. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I said that already. Fun fact, Eagles, you should start Nicholas Morrow or at least consider it. Um, on my pod last week, I mentioned Christian Ellis or Rashawn Evans as potential fill-ins for the injured Nicobe Dean. Of course, conveniently, I forgot about the guy that actually started, which was Nicholas Morrow. Thankfully, he didn't have a very big game, so you weren't really missing out. But he's still the starter. He had a 5% tackle efficiency. That's absolutely going to go up. He could be a linebacker 4, linebacker 5 for your team. Uh, just keep in mind, he's probably a full-time or nearly full-time linebacker. Those are rare to come by. So if you need a guy, there you go. Another guy, Reed Blankenship, my boy. He's probably back. He should be healthy. We'll see. It's a Monday night game, so keep your eyes on the practice reports. But as of today, uh, their coach said that it's likely that he will play. That unfortunately means that my namesake, Justin Evans, returns to a backup role. Thank you. You won me money on underdog. Now, actually, he didn't. He lost me money on underdog. He was the only guy that didn't hit. But it's okay. I forgive you. Um, just go sit down and let Reed Blankenship do his beautiful Reed Blankenship thing. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next team, shall we? <laughs> yes, for the for the Buccaneers. Um, played the Bears last week, so they they reaped all the benefits of that as well. Uh Joe Tryon, Tryon Choyinka uh, looked good, looked very good. Shaq Barrett got gifted a touchdown. <laughs> some 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 goofy effort from Fields there. Um, you know, so I I last week I said these guys, you know, Barrett, I'm willing to you know ride out another week. Um, it paid off uh, with the touchdown, obviously. Um, you know, JTS was someone that I was just. I was still hesitant, right? You know, so get, getting a nice game from him against the Bears gives me a little bit of hope, but the numbers, you know, again, tend to lean towards the side of that was a bit of an anomaly uh, in terms of what he was able to produce given given the situation and, and how, how the game played out. So I'm probably going to hold off on JTS again. Um, you know, Barrett, I, I just I don't like in this matchup. This is one of the best offensive lines um, in the NFL as a whole. And they've shown that, you know, hey, if running the ball down the other team's throat is what's working, they're going to do it, right? They're going to just take what is given to them. Um, they have the talent to be successful in any phase of the game. And so I just think that's going to mean a limited opportunity overall for these two. Uh, someone who has been making the most of his new role as well uh, with the Buccaneers, Ryan Neal, an absolute tackling machine, 12% tackle efficiency so far. Um, and this is a game where I think the Eagles are going to find a way to continually move the ball down the field. It's going to Brian Neal is going to get involved in it, and he's going to keep being 
the Ryan Neal he's always been. And that's someone who's always around the ball and piling up those tackles for us. So I, I'm, I'm down with Ryan Neal. I, he's a comfortable DB too, probably the rest of the season, but especially in this matchup here um, against the solid Eagles offense. A little bit of backstory about that Shaq Barrett touchdown. The Bears offensive coordinator, I think Luke Getze, yep. I think that's his name. He called the exact same screenplay three times in a row. Actually, like it's that stupid. Like there was a press conference after the game where Shaq was like, so yeah, they just like called the same thing. And so I just went to where they, I knew they were going to throw the ball and then they threw it to me and then I went into the end zone. So what, what is happening to the bears that sorry, this turned into like a bears hate episode, but like, just know as bad as the bears are, Matt Canada is worse. I mean, All it's right. a bears love episode, right? If you're, if, if whoever's facing them, we love that for IDP. True. Way to turn that into a positive. That's why I like having you around. All right. The final game. Super Bowl rematch. Los Angeles Rams at the Cincinnati Bengals. Rams. I had to pick somebody to sit. I'm picking Christian Roseboom. Give well, me my ring. ring. No, AD, right? He's like, give me my ring after the big play in the Super Bowl. Rams, Bengals. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, understand <laughs> I, I totally ruined your now. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. Christian Roseboom, he's a part-time player, and I said this before, I'll say it again. Look, part-time players, especially the linebacker two in Los Angeles, they could play anywhere from 80% of snaps to like 50% of snaps. And his tackle efficiency is already going to wildly fluctuate, and so if his snaps are wildly fluctuating and his tackle efficiency is wildly fluctuating, you can get a big game like you had in week one or a dud like you had in week two. So rely on somebody better, like... For the third or fourth time this episode, Kamu Grisha Hill. That would start him over Christian Roseboom easily. A guy you could start, though, Jordan Fuller. Yes, probably in deeper leagues. I wouldn't put him over as like a definitive starter, like a Grant Delpit or uh, Richie Grant. Or uh, are there any other guys named Grant? I can't think of any off the off the dome, but that's okay. I, I would say that this is a decent matchup, though. Um, the, the Bengals, the position that they've allowed to score the most points on defense has been safeties so far. Jordan Fuller has better usage than Russ yeast. And I just think he's probably a better player too. And so if you need this to be like a tiebreaker between him and somebody else kind of mid, like maybe a Derek forest, sorry to call out Derek forest. I know you mentioned him earlier on the episode, but like this, this could be the tiebreaker you need. That's all I'm saying. This is a, again, another wishy washy start, but I can do what I want. It's my episode, not yours, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake, talk about the Bengals. Hurry. Hurry. Uh, Dax Hill, let's roll. Um, someone you know, coming into the season didn't know what that safety room was going to look like with uh, Bates and Bell um, departures, but you know, he's really stepped up. He's someone that um, I think this is going to be kind of an ideal storm in terms of that Bengals offense has been struggling, and as such, the defense has seen the field a significant amount of plays already. Uh, I think over 150. Now, there probably will be some slight regression to that, um, but the Rams have been one of the teams who have also ran the most plays so far. Again, I expect some slight regression to that as well. But you know, those two things combined, I think we're going to see a favorable amount of opportunities for Dax Hill, probably in the high 60s, um, and you know, with a with a decent sweet spot alignment um, around the 40ish percent, 
I think this is something where we can see Dax Hill continue to just pile up and make those plays for us. Um, and I, I actually like him a lot, even as a DB2 this week. Um, you know, and, uh, opposite of him, we got Nick Scott, who is kind of in the same situation um, in terms of that utilization and, and alignment. So, you know, you could probably fire him up. I just, I don't have the same excitement in terms of him kind of stepping up to make some other plays in the pass game or, or you know, anywhere else kind of on the field. I think he's kind of more of that that jag level where, hey, I, this is a safety four for me, and I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, and then just a call out that. Probably most people, maybe who listen to this you know, uh, show already, kind of understand. But Jermaine Pratt, um, just just really strong utilization. You know, snap counts are, are high. We're talking, you know, ninety plus percentish. And what has he done with it? Just just been amazing, right? Uh, a near fourteen percent tackle efficiency, above average, um, and just just consistent. And that's what he is. He's he's an LB two on that team, but you know, he could be an LB two in my heart. So. Um, and possibly even my lineups. Uh, but yeah, Jermaine Pratt, fire him up where you got him. I believe his weekly snap shares have been higher than they were last year. So that's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. I really quickly want to call out Trey Hendrickson. His pass rush win rate is is elite levels. He's at 18% in normal situations. He's at 30%, uh, 35% in true pass sets. That is near the top of the league. Not not like at the top of the league. He's no Miles Garrett or anything, but like this is a good matchup for him. Well, yes and no. They allow pressures, but they didn't allow that many sacks. Whatever. I don't need to get too much into it. Basically, just shout out Dre Hendrickson. Um, Jake, I'm going to do something that podcasters should never do, which is plan the episode during the episode. But I would actually love to have you be the one that reads our questions. I introduced all the games. You're the one that's like actually putting more thought into these questions. So I feel like it's only fair that you're the one that explains your thought process behind them. So what do you say? How does that sound to you? I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up this episode with you, Evan. So with that said, we'll jump into our Q&A segment. Uh, coming from Ricky, uh, he wants us to pick four. Uh, we got Bobby Okereke or Okariki. I don't know. I always said Okereke. I'm probably getting it wrong. It is uh, okay. Alex. Oh, is it okay? Yes. Uh, Bobby Okereke. Alex Singleton, Fred Warner, Fred Werner, Warner. Wow, because I'm mixing them up here now. Fred Warner, Pete Werner, Robert Spillane, Cole Holcomb. So for me, I feel very comfortable on my first three, um, Bobby Okereke, Fred Warner, and Robert Spillane. These are the guys who all control those linebacker rooms. They're the ones who are going to be out there at 100%, um, you know, assuming health. Um, and they're all guys that have shown the ability to make plays already this year and historically. Um, so to me, those three, set them and forget them. Cole, Cole, Cole Holcomb is removed for me. I don't like the rotation that they got going on that you uh, talked about in Pittsburgh. So for me, then it comes down to Singleton and Pete Werner. I, I love Pete Werner's upside in terms of his pass rush. So a little bit of roster construction, right? Do you want maybe more of that boom inserted into your lineup? I like him. And I think you can do that with uh, some of the other names and consistency you have there. But, and we all know Alex Singleton can be Alex Singleton and rack up 20 tackles in a game. Um, and it's not a bad matchup for him to to pile up some of those stats. But, um, you know, in this situation, you're asking me to make my picks. I'm going to lean Pete Werner here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Tie break into Pete Werner simply because Alex Singleton saw his snaps dip 
last week. I would like to see how his week three usage looks before I trust him again if I have the ability to do that, whereas I'm very confident that Werner will be a 100% snap player. All righty, let's move on to that next question there. All right, we got Brad coming in. Uh, I think we kind of alluded to this probably purposefully because we knew the question, uh, but you know, he's wondering about that slow start for Kyle Hamilton. And as such, you know, in his defensive back spot, should he be playing Kyle Hamilton or Christian Gonzalez? I mean, if we look at what Christian Gonzalez has done to this year, right? Um, he's put up some great numbers. He's made a big play in each week. Week one, he had a sack. Uh, week two, he had the interception um, going up against Tyree Kill. Um, and he's actually piled up some good, you know, stats as well in terms of tackles. So we love, love to see that. And we're and happy for Christian Gonzalez. Um, however, the sack came off of his only pass rush of the season. Not, no, you know, kudos to him for making that play. But, you know, I don't think that's something we can rely on week to week that he's going to get pass rush opportunities. Um, and interceptions can be very fluky, right? So um, like to see maybe if he had some more pass breakups, we could say, okay, there might be some more. Um, going on here and might be some consistency to that uh the tackles you know i don't rookie cornerbacks i know some people say target that right that's what they're going to pile up all the the tackles because that can happen i just christian gonzalez is actually looking like a good nfl corner already so i I don't know that that's going to stick true for the rest of the season um and like we talked about with kyle hamilton his his alignment is ideal um, you know, he's a playmaker. He's shown that even in his rookie season, he can, you know, run down plays from behind, punch out the ball. He can, you know, run across the field to break up a pass or even get the interception too. So, um, to me, this is Kyle Hamilton. It's, it's trust the process. I get, you know, it feels gross when you see Christian Gonzalez with 20 points on your bench and Kay Hamilton with six in your starting lineup. But, um, I, I'm leaning into the process and, and you know what we see from just average statistical production for people based on how these guys are getting utilized. Yeah, it's very much like a Reek Woolen kind of situation. You want to be good enough that you score points, but not so good that they just stop throwing the ball to you. And unfortunately, it could be in a situation where defenses start to see how good Christian Gonzalez is and those offensive coordinators just kind of decide maybe we should just throw the ball to somebody else. So just, you know, trust the the stable predictive metrics in, in Kyle Hamilton. And if they don't work out, then just say, trust the process and do it again the week after that. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to Chris's question, then he wants us to pick three. Uh, Devin White, Tremaine Edmonds, Logan Wilson, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Uh, so for me, uh, Devin White and Tremaine Edmonds, I love the matchups for them. I think they're very favorable, and to me, they're both easy starts. Um, then it comes down to Logan Wilson, Fred Warner, and Dre Greenlaw. Um, I'm siding on the, this with the side of the the San Francisco guys, and I'm just ever so slightly going to go with Fred Warner here. I just I love that you know he's he's been able to convert the sack already, um, getting pretty consistent pass rush opportunities. I think five or six a game, and he's just he's consistent out there and that's that's what i, I like to see i know there's a a, a a group of people out there you know fred warner can't be a top 12 linebacker and idp but you know i just okay if he's 13 i'll take it then i guess right and and, and i can live with that so yeah and and for chris here i also want to mention that the answer to this question very much depends on your scoring format if you're in like a big three scoring format that's more about like skill plays big plays, if you will, interceptions and sacks, 
I agree with Jake. Fred Warner is the play over Dre Greenlaw. If you're in a league that heavily weights tackles, I personally would prefer Dre Greenlaw. And this is like the easiest fantasy football advice cop out ever, which is like, well, it depends on your scoring format, but it really does. Dre Greenlaw is a bit of a more consistent tackler. And so the tiebreaker would go to him if you're in more of a tackle heavy format. Yep. I think that's absolutely fair. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, moving on to Greg's question. So he's, he's, he's firing up Micah Parsons, even as an LB, um, but he needs two more guys behind that. So he's got Nick Bolton, Ernest Jones, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Brooks, Devin Lloyd. Uh, for me, again, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Tremaine Edmonds' matchup. I think he's going to get plenty of, of run, and I think he's going to get a great opportunity to be very productive uh, this week. So to me, it comes down to Nick Bolton and Ernest Jones. Um, I talked about you know my concern with Nick Bolton this week, um, and what we've seen is that a is that you know some foreshadowing to what's come in terms of his snap counts and snap percentages. Uh, Ernest Jones has been consistent so far, uh, just albeit a little bit lower volume. So uh, that kind of concerns me as well, even at 100% snap rate. Um, but I'm going to lean slightly Ernest Jones in this one, actually, um, over Nick Bolton. Yeah, man. Jake, I, I hate to be the guy that, like, I don't want... I don't want Greg to leave this episode to be more confused. I don't want him leaving this episode more confused than he was asking this question, but, like... I'm fully on team Jordan Brooks right now. Okay. And I know that he's not even a guy that you have like underlined or bolded, which is so difficult, but his tackle efficiency is actually insane. And I know for a fact that it's sustainable for him, his snap share. Like I wasn't even expecting him to play week one and he played and he had an insane tackle efficiency. Then his snap share went up in week two and continued to have an insane tackle efficiency by this logic. He should maintain or increase in his in his in his snap share and his tackle efficiency. I believe is stable enough that this dude could legitimately put it, be putting up like ten to fifteen tackles on a weekly basis. I like Greg. If you're in a tackle heavy format, like you have to listen to me, man. You have to throw Jordan Brooks into your starting lineup. If you're in a big three scoring format and and tackles just aren't as important, okay, I understand maybe going with an Ernest Jones. But I'm I'm throwing all my chips in on Jordan Brooks, man. Like I have to. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you there. And and you know he's you know before last it was a 2021. I mean he showed us what he can do. He, I'm pretty sure he led the league in tackles, or he was second. I mean the the guy is a beast when it comes to piling up those those tackle stats. So I I, I don't yeah I guess don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying Jordan Brooks is is you know trash and. You, cut him off your roster or, or any of those types of things. You know, I just, I, I'm, I'm with you though. Like I did not think he was going to be back. I don't know. I guess I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, and I, I have my, my nervousness around Jordan Brooks, but. Um, That's fair. I, There's I, definitely more risk associated with Jordan Brooks than there is with any of the players mentioned, any of the other players mentioned, I should say. So th- that's fair. If you, if you really need safety, like I, I totally get the risk aversion part of this too. Yep. But I, like I said, you're, you're, you're getting two points a solo tackle or something. Yeah. Boom. 16 points in your lineup right there. At least. Yeah. At least. All right. Uh, then CD's question and, and CD, man, I, my heart hurts a little bit that you even have to ask this one. <laughs> Are we still high on Trent McDuffie in cornerback leagues? I, 
I don't think I've ever been this high in my life. So, um, yeah, give me, give me my Trent McDuffie, man. Um, I know he had a little bit of a down week. He, you know, he only piled up four, uh, assist assisted tackles. So a little less than, you know, maybe what we saw in, in that big boom week, week one, but we actually saw his slot utilization go up. We saw the pass rush opportunities go up. Um, he was able to convert that into a quarterback hit in week two. Not unfortunately wasn't able to get home for the sack, but, I, I think they found the new home uh, in that role there. Again, we still saw LeJarrius Sneed get some defensive line snaps. They're still finding a way to get you know their playmakers involved in it or around the line of scrimmage, but I, I really feel like McDuffie's got his his spot locked into that defense, and he's on the field enough. Like you know, Evan talked about the hey, he's going to be out there in two cornerback sets, but then when we bring in a third you know defender in terms of uh, you know up front and coverage, and then. There's McDuffie. He's going to slot right into that uh, nickel or slot role, and I'm I'm on board. You know, I'm I'm still I'm trying to. Hopefully, I am still the conductor of the Trent McDuffie hype train. I don't know if anyone else was, but I mean, Evan, you can be up here with me. We're I think we're riding this train together all all off season. So, yeah, keep going. Keep keep McDuffie rolling. You've never been higher in your life. Now, when it comes to Trent McDuffie. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Hey, no, you are absolutely the conductor of this train. I'm just hopping on the bandwagon. I also love me some Trent McDuffie so much. So to the point that in the IDP autism invitational, I actually dropped Kenny Moore so that I could pick up Trent McDuffie. And I love Kenny Moore, but I love Trent McDuffie. I did not have to drop anyone to pick up Trent McDuffie because he was already on my roster. So Look at you. You're so smart. (laughs) I get one thing right a year. I'll take it and I'll run with it. Uh, Sure. All right. Uh, Thomas H's question here. We got Amani Hooker or Cam Bynum as a safety two or three rest of season. Currently have Buda Baker and Brian Cook. Um, So just for some clarity, right? So I, I don't know. I didn't look to see the exact date or time stamp of the question. So maybe Buda Baker hadn't been put on IR yet when you asked this question. Um, but obviously he is on IR. And at this point, um, really based on what I'm seeing here, I'd actually take Amani Hooker and Cam Bynum over Brian Cook both. Um, so if there's a way you can, you know, move Buda Baker into an IR spot, and then I would actually then pick up Hooker and Canum Cam Cam Bynum um, and start both of them over Brian Cook. That would be where I'd go with it. But if you if you're if you're a Cook aficionado and, and you want to keep him in your lineup and you had to pick between those two, then uh, Cam Bynum is the way I would lead. Um, and pay attention to Monty Hooker too because he's actually in concussion protocol as it stands this week. Um, came out of last week's game for that, and you might need to find someone else besides Cam Bynum um, and with the the Buda Baker injury as well. So kind of got a lot going on there. A lot to pay attention for Thomas. Um, Hopefully that gives you some help. Otherwise, you know, hit us up in the in the Q and A thread, and maybe we can give you some more suggestions if you got more questions based on who's on your waivers. Yeah, Thomas, I hope you have a Twitter or an X so that you can send us a DM here because I want to work through some things. I'm trying to understand if the only safeties you have on your team are Buda Baker and Brian Cook, because what this tells me is like, like I I guess I don't really know how to phrase this. You need better safeties. In the, in the nicest, most graceful way possible, I think you can find better options on waivers in your league right now if I'm understanding your question correctly. If it's like you already have a bunch of other guys and you're like choosing between Amani Hooker or Cam Bynum 
alongside Buda Baker and Brian Cook as your, you know, safety three. Okay. That's a little bit of a different situation, but like Brian Cook has really bad usage. Yes. Buda Baker is on IR. Amani Hooker and Cam Bynum are like, okay. But like, we've talked about a bunch of safeties on this episode already that I believe should be available in leagues deep enough where you can get them. Basically, what I'm saying is I hope Amani Hooker and Cam Bynum aren't your best options. I also hope that Brian Cook is not your best option because I think there's a good chance that you have better options available. And in fact, because you asked this question, I have a good feeling that you have a premium subscription to the idpshow.com where you can check out our weekly rankings and see if you can find some safeties that are ranked higher than these guys in our weekly rankings because they're probably going to serve you better in the long run. So that's my thought here on this question. Hopefully that came across the right way. Um, This is not a roast. This is like, I just want the best for you, Thomas. That's all I'm saying. You're such, you're such a jerk, Evan. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's it. That's all we got for the Q and a thread this week. Yeah. Hey, actually there's one more thing. One more thing that we got to talk about. We got to end the episode, Jake, with something we're really looking forward to. And I have no idea what I'm looking forward to yet. Cause I haven't really thought about it. I guess I could say like, I'm looking forward to who the Steelers hire at offensive coordinator after they let Matt Canada go, but I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that. So oh, you are you just, did. I, all right. I want to see, I want to see if Josh Uche gets like five sacks here. Nice. Oh, so what, what are we most excited for? In IDP world, huh? Is that sure? Uh, sure. sure. Yeah, that's let's what roll we're with going that. with. Oh gosh, man, that's that's a tough one. Um, I I, th- I think for me, I, I just really want to see you know what what Jalen Phillips does comes back healthy. He's someone that I know Adam is the conductor of that the the Jalen Phillips hype train since since day one since you know drafted even before then. Um, but I just, God, he's so primed to have such a big year. I was so disappointed to see him, you know, miss week two already. So I'm hoping he comes back, and I'm really excited to see um, what he can do in that matchup because that should be, God, that, that could be a three-sack game for Jalen Phillips and really, you know, make his case for, you know, being one of the best defensive players here uh, in the NFL as well as for IDP. That would be really, really exciting. Really, really exciting. All right, man. This has been an absolute blast of an episode. We just barely squeezed this in at about 90 minutes-ish. I'll round round it to 90 minutes. Really, really solid work. Listeners, thank you so much for making it this far. Don't forget to ask your starts questions on the idpshow.com website for next week's episode. And if you've got any questions in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at idpevan. He is at lateRoundDB. And, uh, Tune in on the next episode, eh? Sweet. Peace out. <laughs>